Welcome to CBJ in 30, the official podcast of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Here's Bob McElligot. Oh, I can't believe it's time to get back at it. It seems like only yesterday I was doing this show right after the free agent signing of Johnny Gaudreau, and yet it seems so far away at the same time. Welcome back. It's a brand-new season of CBJ in 30. I'm Bob McElligot. The Blue Jackets are about to get the 2022-2023 season started. It really gets going this week when the rookies go to Traverse City for the tournament, and um, I can't believe it's here. I I can't believe it's here. I I came down, I'll be honest with you, I have this uh, little studio I put together, and that's where I'm doing the show from, and I haven't paid much attention here in the last couple of weeks. You know, I've been out doing different things and going places, seeing people, talking, and, and the whole nine yards. And and I went to get back into this studio today, and I'm just, I think it might be the end for this. I think that it might be the end. I've got to do something different, and I'll tell you why. Because I put this together during COVID, like at the height of it. Remember when we were doing everything every day on Zoom, every interview was on Zoom, nothing was in person, everything was through the computer, and I put together this studio, and Today is the first day that I kind of sat down here and I thought, I need to change this in some way, shape, or form. Because now, two years beyond that, I just need a change. It's got to be something different. I, I just This has an old, crusty, not-such-a-good-time feel to it. You know, not-such-a-good-time-in-time not feel to it. Because it, it, was, it was thrown together for, for COVID. And, you know, hopefully we're beyond all of that stuff now getting ready to start this camp, going to Traverse City. The main camp starts next week. Everybody getting in here, going back into the dressing room, interviewing players, yada, yada, yada. So I, that needs to be one of my projects. I just got to blow this thing up and, and do something different. But that is not for today. But it's what I thought about today. And I haven't thought about it forever because I haven't sat in this chair and I haven't talked to you. So maybe it's something I should have done since, uh, you know, in between the last time I talked to you and this time when I'm talking to you, but can't cry over spilled milk. It's too late. Can't get to that. So that'll be a a project for another day. In the meantime, the project for today is to answer your questions. And you have a lot of them. And the excitement has been there. Ever since Johnny Gaudreau became a member of the Blue Jackets, I mean, this summer has been different from every other summer. We talked about it at the time. It is a palpable energy. Can you believe I used palpable? A big word. That's a big word for me. In the very first show of the year, right at it. Palpable energy. It's been there. And and it went, you know, it, it was at an all-time high after the signing, and then it kind of went down, and then it was just kind of simmering above the surface, but now it's time to go to camp, and, and, it, and it's back again. And uh, I can't wait for that first day of big camp when uh, it'll really be surging, that energy. It will really, really, really be surging. So uh, looking forward to all of that without question. But Again, you have a lot of questions here as uh, we get set for the Traverse City Tournament to start. That is going to be getting underway this week. It uh, runs Thursday through Sunday, and the Blue Jackets are taking a pretty good team to Traverse City. 
I mean, okay, they're taking a really good team to Traverse City. And I will get to that as we go along here. And uh, get you know maybe get your thoughts on it. If you want to jump on, we're live on Twitter Spaces right now. If you want to jump on, all you have to do is request. And I can bring you on. You can ask your question. Um, otherwise, I've got a lot of stuff that has uh, already been sent to me, so I want to get to it. Here are some of the questions that uh, I have received already on Twitter at Bobby Mac Sports, and I'm going to start with Jesse. And Jesse has a very simple question here to get things going. I like to ease myself into it. You know, it's kind of like put the toe in the water and check the temperature, that kind of thing. Jesse says, who do you think replaces Oliver Bjorkstrand in the mural on the front of Nationwide Arena? See, this is this is an easy one. Could be a number of guys. I could go different directions on this, but I think it's pretty easy. I mean, if you just wanted to go for a one-for-one one swap, it's really easy. Johnny Gaudreau. No-brainer, right? You know Johnny's going to be on there. You know he's going to be front and center. I mean, he is the new star of this team. No offense to anybody that's been here. But he comes in. He, you know, has is, is a, a great track record in the league. He comes in as a premier player in the National Hockey League. And so I feel very comfortable in answering that question to get things started. Now, I put myself in quite a spot because the questions have got to get harder than that, right? Of course they have to get harder than that. So let me get to them and uh, see what what you may have on your mind as uh, we get going here on this Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ and 30. Uh, here we go. Uh, John Milsip. Here, I'll go from one extent to the other. This is much harder. What do the Blue Jackets need to do to differentiate themselves from the other teams in the Metropolitan Division this season? Well, what do they have to do to differentiate themselves? Uh, they need to do offensively what they did last year, which is score more goals than they ever have as a franchise. But on the flip side of that, remember they gave up more goals than they ever have as a franchise, and that has to change. That has to change through a number of different things. Uh, it has to change through the way that defense is played, not just the defensemen, but as an overall team in the system. They've got to be more responsible. They've got to block more shots. They've got to they, – they have to take, as a group, as a whole, they need to take the experience that they gained last year. And remember, many of them last year, very young, very hungry, very much learning how to play day in and day out in the National Hockey League. Remember that, okay? Because it's that's only fair to remember. Um, they've got to take that experience, and now they have to take it up a notch. Whatever you did last year, even if you did something that was great, even if you overachieved, even if you are a guy that's been around for years and you had the best career year ever, you have to take it up a notch. That is the only way you're going to give yourself a chance as a group to differentiate from the other teams in the Metropolitan Division. Because when you look at those teams, let's just let's go down the line here, okay? Let's start with the Carolina Hurricanes. They are the team that has risen to the top. I don't think you can make an argument with me about that. That If you're going to argue with me about that, I can poke holes in your argument. That's just the way it is. I mean, Carolina, they have been 
building and building and building for years. And in this offseason, they went out and they made some moves that were, I mean, to me, they were even a little bit surprising. To get Brent Burns from the San Jose Sharks, where he's been for a long, long time. Um, they make a deal with Vegas. I, I mean, they got players for free, veteran players. Max Pacioretty comes over. Now, I know he's got uh, he's got a uh, an Achilles tendon problem, and he's not going to play for months. I, I get it. I understand that. But, I mean, this is a team that has been working toward getting better, getting more experience. They've been in the playoffs a couple of years now. They've... Um, you know, they've suffered some big losses in the playoffs. You just go back to last year. And what happened to them last year? Well, they couldn't win on the road. And it did them in. But it's another experience that you learn from as a team. So you look at the Carolina Hurricanes. You know they're going to be good. The Washington Capitals, I'm going to put the Capitals and the Penguins in the same category here. Because these are both teams that, we keep waiting for them to age out, right? Every year you say, well, they're a little bit older. They got the same guys and they're older. They're not going to be as uh, tough as they were in the past. And then, and then they are. So how do you, how do you count them out? Washington, they've, you know, they, Nicholas Backstrom is not going to play for a couple of months. That's a big loss for them. They tried to address that in free agency. They went and they got Darcy Kemper to play in goal. He's just coming off a Stanley Cup championship in Colorado. They think they're better in goal. Um, you know, they're they're going to be there. They've got Alex Ovechkin. They're going to be in the conversation. The Pittsburgh Penguins, what they went and they did this summer, it surprised me to an extent. And to another extent, it didn't surprise me. They wanted to keep the gang together. They did. They kept Chris Letang. They kept Evgeny Malkin. Crosby, of course, is still there. They bring back Brian Rust. They, they've got the components of the same team. They are older, but they are experienced, and they have won cups, and they know how to get it done. So, you know, right there, those three teams, you're chasing. In my mind, you're chasing those three teams. And I didn't even count the New York Rangers, who maybe are becoming the best of the group. You know, the Rangers, they they really <laughs> they had a great playoffs last year. Uh, they're really coming into their own. They've got great goaltending. They've got star power up front. They, you know, they're, they're going to be tough. So now there's four teams you're chasing right there. And then what's left? The New York Islanders. Are the New York Islanders going to be able to bounce back? They had a terrible season last year. Remember, they had a brand-new building, and they had to start with the first 13 games on in a row on the road, which, you know, that puts you behind the eight ball right away. I get it. It's not easy. It's very tough. I understand. Can they bounce back? They did basically nothing. I mean, they were rumored to get Johnny Gaudreau. They were rumored to get Nazem Kadri. They didn't get either of those guys. Are they good enough with what they have? What about the New Jersey Devils? Been hearing about the New Jersey Devils. Oh, they're getting better. They're getting better. They're getting better. They're getting better. Are they getting better? I don't know. I don't know. Is uh, is their goaltending going to be good enough to Make them better, keep them better. I, I don't know. You know, as I line it up, I told you, there's four teams you're chasing. There's four teams that are established, and, you know, that's the way it is. I don't see Jersey as a team you're chasing. I don't see the Islanders as a team you're chasing right now. But that's only if you execute. That's only if you play well. So if you want to distinguish yourself, 
You're going to have to play defense, and you're going to have to be good in net. You're going to have to continue to score goals. I mean, you, you look at your lineup, you would think goals won't be a problem. I'm sure there will be times this year that they will be a problem. That's just the nature of the beast. But, John, when you talk about differentiating yourself, they're going to have to be – I don't even want to say more structured. I, I don't think that's fair to say. I think they play with good structure. They, they just have to play it better. They just have to play it better. Parsons says the Traverse City Prospect Tournament is this week. Is there anyone you're keeping your eye on during that uh, that could show up and play with the Blue Jackets this season? Kent Johnson and Kirill Marchenko are the big ones, but maybe David Yurichik. Maybe him. Yeah, I'll be keeping my eye on him. I want to see how he plays. I, there's no question about that. Um, I, I think the other first-round defenseman, Matejchuk, I want to see how he plays in that kind of a setting. Uh, a couple of guys that got taken this summer, I I want to see. You know, they come in with uh, a lot of good things being said about them and the pros and cons. I'm looking forward to watching some of these young guys. But, um, yeah, this is a talented group the Blue Jackets are taking. It is a talented group. I mean, they're going in there. They're going to play three games. Um, if they – look, I don't know what the other teams look like, nor do I care. But with the team that they're taking, I don't see why they can't go up there and start playing on Wednesday and finish on Sunday and be or start playing on Thursday and finish on Sunday and be three and zero. I really don't. I don't. They're going to be good. But you know, your check is a guy that um, you're going to be watching him for many reasons. It's going to be watching him in this camp and then, or I mean, in this tournament and then in the next camp. It's going to be really, really, really. Interesting to watch. Shaddy has this question. As a Blue Jackets fan living in Northeast Ohio, do you think the Blue Jackets might ever play a preseason game in Cleveland? Cavaliers play one in Columbus quite regularly. Uh, and then Tom McCarthy chimes in and says, or maybe in Cincinnati. Yeah, I think at some time. I, I don't know when. I don't know how. I don't know all the, the particulars to it. And, uh, you know, there's a – I know when you're when you're buying a full season ticket package, you're getting the preseason in the in the regular season. So I don't know how that works if you're not going to play one of those games there or whatever. So I don't. But I just think at some point, I, I think at some point it'll be done. I think it would be good. I, personally, I'd love to see it happen in both cities. I'd love to see it spread a little bit more throughout the state, and just give uh, some people that maybe haven't come down here or come up here, whichever it is, um, maybe give them an opportunity to to go out and see the Blue Jackets a little bit closer to home and, uh, and maybe get more interested in them. So I think it'll happen at some point, but I don't know. It's, it's not my decision. I think it's a good idea personally, and um, and probably someday it is going to happen. Uh, let me see what else I have here. Um, I got some other stuff here that I want to go through. Here's Heather. Uh, Heather says, which player are you most excited to see and why? And I have a follow-up question. Uh, who will have the most points and goals this season? <laughs> which player are you most excited to see and why? I'm excited to see Johnny Gaudreau because I've only seen him play in a Calgary Flames sweater and seen him play two times a year against the Blue Jackets, not even two times a year. Go back a couple of years ago to COVID, didn't even see him. So I think 
me, like most, if not all, are very excited about seeing Johnny Gaudreau, seeing how he meshes with Patrick Laine, seeing who the centerman happens to be. If those two guys are playing together, I say if, but I think they will be. Um, I'm really excited about seeing that. And who do I think will have the most points and goals? Well, see, if, if those two are playing together, it could be, and I say could be, I don't know, but but maybe Johnny has the most points and maybe Patrick has the most goals, right? I mean, Gaudreau's a great playmaker. Not that he can't score. He can. But he's a great playmaker, and Lion A's a great shooter. It's It seems to be a match. On paper, it's a match. Now, when they get put on the ice together, then that's where you take uh, – you know, it's like uh, – when you're in school and you get taught a bunch of stuff in theory. You know, in theory, this will be good. In theory, this will work. Then you go to put it in play in real life, and it doesn't work at all. So is this going to work? Is this combination of guys, these two guys in particular, is it going to work in theory, or is it going to work, work? That's what we'll see. I think it's going to work, work. But that's what we'll see. Heather also has uh, uh, one last thing. says, any news on the Matisse-Kivlenix banner? Will it stay up in Nationwide Arena? I checked on that for you, Heather. I I wanted to get the right answer for you, and here it is. The banner, and before I tell you this, I want to remind you, last year when it was put up, the plan from the beginning was for it to be up for one year. Okay? That was the plan from the beginning. This is So nothing has changed the banner will not be up this year. Uh, the organization is uh, right now in the process of looking for another spot in the arena to uh, to honor the memory of Matisse Kivlenix. So that answers your question. So when you show up and it's not there, remember, the plan was always for it to be there for a year in that remembrance and that thankfulness and then to move it to another area to move, well, I'm not even necessarily saying moving the banner. I mean, uh, whether they do or they don't, heck, maybe they take the banner and they, they present it to his family or something, and, and there's there's a totally different uh, dedication somewhere in the arena. But somewhere within Nationwide Arena, there will be remembrance of Matisse Kivlenix, but don't look for that banner in the rafters this year. So good questions. Good questions, Heather. Uh, good questions, Heather. That's a singular, not a. It's not more than one, not more than one. Heather, uh, Dylan says, when does the official training camp start for the Blue Jackets? It'll start next week, next week at Nationwide Arena. Uh, they will get going. They've got the what do they have? The Foundation Golf Tournament is on Tuesday, and then after that, it is uh, show up and go to work at the arena, getting ready for the season. Gary Weinheimer says, who do you expect to make a splash in Traverse City this week? Gary, this one is easy for me, too. I expect, and I will be disappointed if it doesn't happen, but I expect Kirill Marchenko to make a big splash in this tournament, and I'll tell you why. Under normal circumstances, I don't think he would be in this tournament. He's an older guy, but he's an NHL rookie, so he qualifies for this. But this is a guy that has played in the KHL. He's been playing against men. Yeah, to me, he should show up, and he should be very visible in this tournament. Very visible. And again, the age factors into it for me. Because I remember the only other time I went to this tournament was Pierre-Luc Dubois in his uh, rookie year. Well, 
I guess, did he go twice? Yeah, I think he went twice. Anyway, it was a year that he made the team. And I remember going to the tournament, and I remember watching him, and I really expected him to jump out. And he played well, but he didn't jump out. And I went to uh, Chris Clark, and I said to Chris, uh, Chris was in charge of player development at the time, and I, and I said, hey, what's what's going on here? I, like, I thought this guy, first-round pick, third overall, I thought he would just jump off the page. And he was okay, but, I mean, he, he wasn't – he didn't jump off the page. And Chris said, you know what? Don't worry about it. If you watch him, and once you start watching him day in and day out, you'll notice how much better he's getting, and he'll be fine. And he was obviously dead on right. He was, he was fine. He was more than fine. So – um, that was my only experience in going to Traverse City. But Kirill Marchenko is different because he's older and he has much more experience at a higher level coming in to this rookie tournament. So I expect him to make a splash. I also am hoping, and I expect this. I, I almost went off the expectation, but that wouldn't be fair because in my own mind, I expect this. I expect Kent Johnson to be very visible too. I mean, look what this guy has gone through. He's played World Juniors for Canada, won a gold medal there. Uh, he actually played in it twice, right? He started playing it at Christmas, and then he finished playing it this summer. Um, so he's won a gold with the, the Canadian World Junior team. He played in the Olympics for Canada, um, World Championships, NCAA for Michigan, and he played nine games in the National Hockey League. So when you put all of that together, that's a pretty good resume going into this tournament. Now, this is another guy that I think in some circumstances, if you told me, or if somebody came to me and said, hey, we're not going to send Kent Johnson to this thing. We don't, we don't think he needs to play in this thing. I'd be like, all right, I get it. I, I understand. He's already done all this other stuff. He's already got all this other experience. If you don't want to send him, don't send him. But they're sending him. Rightfully so. He is a rookie. Why shouldn't he go? Why shouldn't he get these extra days? Why shouldn't he get these extra games? And that I'm expecting big things from him. I really am. Because remember, when he came in last year from Michigan, you, you could see flashes. There were flashes of what he is potentially going to be. But he didn't, he couldn't string those flashes together. And it's not his fault. I mean, he's a young kid. He's coming into the National Hockey League. Just came right out of college. And now you're saying, here you are with the big boys. Just do the same thing day in and day out. It doesn't happen like that. You got to work at it. You got to learn. You got to figure it out. But I thought he figured it out a little bit more with every day that went by. So I, I expect big things from him. Starting with this tournament, continuing through the regular training camp, and through the preseason. And I'll tell you something else. I'll tell you something else that I'm really interested to see. That is how much he plays center. And I don't know if he's going to do it here. We'll find out. But maybe he will. Maybe they'll put him in the middle here. Probably not a bad idea. In this Traverse City tournament, throw him in the middle, let him play a little bit of center, see how it goes. Because during the preseason... I feel safe in saying you're going to see him there at least a little bit. Maybe a lot if he handles it well, but at least a little bit. I think you're going to see him there. So 
I'm interested to see that too. How they how they uh, handle him. What responsibilities they give him starting in Traverse City. The good Reverend Rodriguez has this question. At the professional level, how much of the game is coaching as opposed to individual and team-wide skill vis-a-vis the power play effectiveness, face-off percentage, goals against average, et cetera? Can a team be coached into success in the NHL, or is it up to management to find the skill and add it to their roster? Both. Um, I think, personally, it's kind of changed a little bit. It has kind of changed. I think it used to be at the National Hockey League level, it was um, less of the coaching and more of the motivating because the guys that you were getting had already had a wealth of experience, junior hockey, college hockey. Most had spent time in the ECHL or the American Hockey League. Um, they, they had played a lot of hockey, and they were, they were more developed. They were older, and they were more developed. And now a lot of guys come in at a very early age, and you still have to motivate, but I think you have to teach more in the game now. Uh, John Tortorella talked about that all the time when he was here, about uh, having the youngest team in the league, and we still have to teach. We have to teach what's happening. So I think in today's NHL, uh, there is a lot of coaching and a lot of teaching. I think, uh, again, in many ways, and this may – this may not be – this was true with Tortorella, in my opinion. And under Brad Larson, it might be a little bit different. I think it has almost morphed into a baseball-type model where there's a lot of teaching going on and the assistant coaches are doing the teaching. And the head coach is doing a lot of the managing. You know, in baseball, what does a baseball manager do? What does he do? Besides get thrown out of games, that's when you see him and, and recognize him the most, right? If it's not a pregame or postgame press conference. But what does what was that? What does that manager do in baseball? Well, you know, he makes the lineup. Okay, he decides who's going to play. Fair. But he's managing personalities and the media for the most part, right? I don't want to say trying to keep guys happy, but trying to keep guys in the right frame of mind so that he can mesh them together, and, and, and it can work as a team. And then, as I said, manage the media, the pregame, the postgame, the practice days, all that stuff. And and the NHL head coach is pretty much the same to me. Now, again, Brad Larson was an assistant coach who was a teacher, and now he's a head coach that is continuing to teach. And I think as uh, the league gets younger and some of the coaches get younger, I think that's uh, fair that – you know, there's, there's still a lot of teaching going on by the head coach, but there's so much responsibility. I mean, you're talking about coming up with an overall system and then uh, the responsibilities. for You can't do everything as a head coach. You've got to distribute the responsibilities, and uh, everybody's got to have a role. And So it's, um, you know, there's more teaching today than there was years ago. But at the pro level, you know, there's still a lot of, motivation, and accountability. And that's what John Tortorella was great at. And that's what the Flyers will learn now that he is there. And they'll hate it, but they'll learn from it. And then they'll realize that he knew better than they did. That's what happened here. You think you know everything, no matter what age you are. You think you know everything, and all of a sudden you you get told you don't know everything and you don't like that, and then you start doing it a different way 
begrudgingly sometimes, and, and when it's all over, you say, well, yeah. all right, I guess you were right, and I was wrong. But um, but you got to have skill. If, if you don't have talent, you just don't win. I remember I made a baseball analogy here a second ago. I'll, I'll make another one for you. Remember when uh, the Atlanta Braves were really good back in, what, the early 90s there when they had Tom Glavin and Mike Maddox and John Smoltz and all those guys. They had that, that great pitching staff, and Leo Mazzoni was the pitching coach. And at one point somebody asked Leo Mazzoni, uh, you know, what's it take to be a great pitching coach? And he just simply said great pitchers. And it's true. And I think every National Hockey League head coach is as good as his goalie. Let's be honest about that. I mean, if you got a guy that can't stop a puck, you're in trouble. And it, it doesn't matter a lot what's around because you're always going to be, have to be outscoring the other uh, the other team. And you, and you're as good as your as good as your goalie if you're a head coach. The better your goalie gets, the better you look as a head coach. The smarter you look as a head coach, right? There's no question about that. The teams that win the Stanley Cup, do they have the best goalie? Most times, yeah. Andre Vasilevsky won back-to-back, got his team to a third one. Darcy Kemper, well, maybe that goes against the theory that I'm throwing out there right now. Not that he was terrible, he wasn't, but there were times when he was not as good, but his team overcame that for him. But I I think, uh, I think in hockey, the better the goalie, the better the coach. Back to life. Boom goes the can and says, I want to know what is your personal hottest take for the season that other pundits would say is a reach or not likely. For example, it uh, can be an unexpected player breaking out. could be team offense, defense, performance, line combinations, team records, or some sort of league award. Oh, this is All right, so this is the hardest question. Hot takes. I don't know. I, I'm so... I don't like this. I, I don't. I don't like hot takes. I don't like to sit here at the beginning of the season and say uh, this is going to happen. What do you want me to say, Patrick Line? Fifty goals. Why don't I just do that? Because I don't know. I'll know a lot more two weeks in than I know right now today. Like you're asking me to make a prediction that I could just potentially look stupid. I know how to look stupid. You don't have to set me up for it. But um, I don't know. I don't sit around thinking of this stuff. I'll go with the Patrick Line. He's going to get fifty goals. How about that? Pundits say that's a re- would pundits say that's a reach? I, uh, maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't. That's I'm just going to stick with it. Speaking of goaltending, here is uh, what B. Stacy saying. What do you think the goalie situation will look like in terms of net time between Merzlikens, Corposalo, and or Tarasov? Do you think that Daniil Tarasov will see net time? I'll answer the second one first. Uh, I do. I think that he will see net time because I think that through the course of 82 games, there's just uh, the way the game is now, it's it's tough and you have injuries, and I'm just going to say that he'll see at least a game if he's healthy. And he's in he's I mean, he's healthy now. I'm just saying if somebody got hurt and then he was also hurt in Cleveland, that would negate everything I'm saying here. So if he's healthy, I, I think he'll I think he'll see the net for at least a game. It's just how it goes. It's just uh, just seems like you use three guys, at least three guys, uh, every year. Maybe it's for a short period of time. Maybe it's for a longer period of time. So I think Tarasov will see action at some point. Um, the goalie situation is simply going to look like this. Whoever's playing the best is going to play. And 
If that's Elvis Merzlikens, that's great. If it's Jonas Corposalo, that's great. Whoever's going to give them a chance to win is going to play, hands down. Corposalo had a terrible season last year, awful season, brutal season. I can use a lot of words for it. I'm sure he would use the same. I don't like to do that. I don't like to say it because I like the guy. I know he was playing hurt. I know that he's much better than we saw last year, but he'll be the first one to tell you he was no good. Okay. Now he's got a chance to bounce back. Signs a one-year deal. He's looking to redeem himself. Perfect situation here. His teammates love him. He loves them. Knows the system. Knows what's going on here. Boom. He and Merzlikens have a good relationship. They're going to have that friendly competition between the two of them. Boom. Perfect. For Merzlikens, look, he <laughs> he was really good at times last year, and he was shaky at times. And he had a lot of that uh, emotional baggage last year that uh, – it's going to be different this year. I'm not saying he's not going to have any kind of uh, thoughts or feelings or emotions from last year. He will, obviously, but it's it's a year removed. So, you know, it's um, he's got to get back to work, and he's got to do a better job than he did last year, and he knows it, and it's going to be a good competition between those two. But, you know, it's very easy to look at it and say, well, this guy makes more money than this guy. This guy's got a longer contract than this guy, and so this is the guy that's going to play. I don't think that that's true. I, I really don't think that that's true. Brad Larson has said that it's not true. And why would he lie? Why would he lie? His job is to win games. Does it put you in a pickle if your guy in a one-year contract and less money is playing better than your guy in a five-year contract making a lot of money in some ways? Does it put you in a pickle? Yeah. Yeah, it does. But who cares about the optics of it? It's about getting two points every night that you play. So they need to step it up. And I know they need help from the guys in front of them. I alluded to that earlier. But they, as a collective unit, have got to step it up as goaltenders. They've got to step it up. There's no ands, ifs, or buts about that. Very simple. Kyle Muir says two questions. Number one, what has Kirill Marchenko been up to since development camp? He said he was staying in the U.S. instead of going back to Russia. And number two, name one Cleveland player or prospect that could get some minutes this season that fans aren't currently talking about. Okay. Kirill Marchenko. I was told he did go back to Russia. But he is back in the United States, and he has been for weeks. And he's working out, and he's ready to go to Traverse City. Okay? So... I guess that's what he's been up to. A lot of traveling. Secondly, one Cleveland player or prospect that could get some minutes this season. I got to tell you, I got this question and I started racking my brain because, because I, I was thinking about who was in Cleveland last year that I would even think about being here this year. And I was drawn blanks. Absolutely drawn blanks. Now, I know that Somebody out there is saying, what do you mean you're drawing blanks? What about Liam Foodie? And the answer to that is, yeah, that's the only guy that I could see being an answer to this question. And nobody's talking about him. And the reason is because of what you have in the NHL now. Liam Foodie was a former number one pick by the Blue Jackets. But he's got a lot of work to do if he wants to make this team. And if he's going to make this team, it's as a bottom six winger. And if it's going to be as a fourth line guy, well, how are you going to beat out the guys that are expected to be on the fourth line? 
I mean, Liam Foody needs to come into this camp. This is the most important camp of his hockey life to this point, right? I don't think that's unfair. I don't think it's unfair at all. And um, he's he's the only guy that I could come up with when I look at it because it, it's just the way that things have gone here. Or most guys, they were either in junior, they were overseas, or they were in the NHL, not in Cleveland. So Liam Foody is the guy. Oh, here we go. Erwin uh, Mainway says, what player do you think has the best chance to be the surprise player coming out of training camp? I'm betting on Jack Roslovic to have a breakout season. Oh, I hope you're right. I hope he does. He had a, a great finish to last year. He's got to pick up where he left off. That's the hard thing, right? You've got to start where you ended. Once you get to a certain level, nobody says, ah, go ahead, take a couple of steps back. No, 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 no. Always forward. So that'll be a challenge for Jack. I see no reason why Jack can't meet that challenge and excel. I I thought he was great at the end of last year. All the things that he wasn't doing consistently at the beginning of the year, he was doing consistently at the end of the year. And he's got to start that way this year, and he's got to continue to get better at it. Um, Here's the thing. And, Erwin, just the way that you phrase your question, what player do you think has the best chance to be the surprise player coming out of training camp? The first thing that pops into my mind is how many guys I've seen be a surprise in camp and then be a dud when the regular season starts. So I like your Jack Roslovic thing because if Jack has a great camp, I think he's going to turn that in to a great start in the regular season. I don't think there will be fall off there. But – and I, I don't even know. Well, Jack's going to play a lot. I mean, there are some guys that they're probably going to limit their minutes during the preseason for numerous reasons. With Boone Jenner, they're going to want to protect his back, obviously. Um, for Patrick Line, Johnny Gaudreau, you don't want to overplay guys and, and risk them to injury in the preseason if you have other options, right? You, you just don't want to do it. So I, I think they'll be careful with some guys because they're guys that they already know what they can do. Um, I'll tell you who I would like to see be a surprise player coming out of training camp. I, I could, There are a couple of guys, and they're on the blue line. I always get fixated on talking about forwards, right, because that's where all the goals are coming from. That's where all the, the sweet highlight plays are coming from. But let's be honest about this. You need surprise – not actually, I'm going to take the word surprise out of there – you need standout guys coming out of camp to be on the blue line on this team. I would love to see Boquist have a great camp and play more solid defensive-minded game and then pick up whatever points he gets. Love to see that. I'd love to see Andrew Peak start exactly where he left off last year with all that experience that he gained and and just be just be a rock the entire preseason. Love to see that. Um, because that's where the that's where the question marks are. The question marks are not at the forward position, even the center position. It's better. Is it great? No, it's not great, but it's much more doable. Jenner, Sillinger, Roslovic, Corrali, in whatever order. I just named them as I thought of them. I would probably rearrange if I was naming them in in my order, but 
it, that's doable. That is doable. No doubt about that. So it's better than it was last year going into the camp. But the defense, you look at the question marks, there are the question marks. Who's going to step up? Who's going to who's going to achieve? Who's going to overachieve? Who's going to make the decisions easy by the way they play? And when I say that, I mean easy like I'm playing so well you have to put me in this spot. Not easy like, well, I was not good and now I'm going to be the seventh guy. So, um, yeah, that's I, I want to see the surprises I would love to see come on the blue line. I really would. Jordan the Hoff says, what would you like to see for the new reverse retro jersey if you were designing them? Oh, I'm bad at this too because I don't I'm not a I'm not a big uh design guy. Not a I don't know. It reverse retro. So if it's gonna be retro, then I would like to see one of two things. I'd either like to see the original logo on it again, or I would like to see the current logo and I'd like to see the the laces up at the collar because this team has had both of those things, so that would be your retro. Uh, Yeah, beyond that, I don't know. I... I'm not sure. I'm not a great designer. Maybe something with the, uh, what is the, now it's escaping me, the um, the third jersey blue color, the, the lighter blue color. Now it's totally running away from my mind, whatever it is. Maybe maybe some stripes of that or something like that. There's a lot, of, a lot of neat things you can do, but I'm not a designer. I'm the furthest thing from it. I can, like, I can barely draw a stick figure, let alone the jersey to put on the stick figure. You know what I mean? So... There we go. Jonathan Barnes says, going to the Traverse City Tournament for the first time, and I'm very excited. Any chance of a CBJ fan meetup, maybe around the Buckeye game on Saturday evening? Um, Yeah, I'm sure there probably is a chance of that. Are you asking me or are you asking other people that are going? I, I'm, I'm confused on that. If you're asking me, tell me where you are. Maybe we can make that happen. If you're asking all others that are involved there, uh, talk amongst yourselves and then let me know where to be. Right? How's that? Uh, what else do I have here? Corey says, is there any way to listen to the Twitter space content at a later time? Will it be on a podcast or available on Twitter at a later time? And I'm guessing I'm going to answer a question that Corey isn't listening. It just sent it. It just popped up. And so I just read it. If I would have pre-read it, I would just type back. But yeah, yeah podcast and recorded. So Corey's not listening to that. I'll get back to that uh, in just a bit. I'll type Corey the answer to that question. Now I'm going to go to email. Bobby Mack at bluejackets.com. Mac Cordell sent me this question. He says, it's been a great offseason for the Blue Jackets. Uh, Kent Johnson, David Yurichek. Can't wait to have actual hockey return. I have no ill will toward Alexander Texier whatsoever, none at all. And I truly hope he is happy, healthy, and fulfilled playing a great sport that he loves. Even so, I was wondering, if the Blue Jackets had known that Texier would not be returning this year, could they have done things differently in the days following the Johnny Gaudreau signing? Uh, I know that Texier is only at uh, one and a half million-ish on the cap hit, 
and they needed to move about $5 million, but could they have moved someone else or maybe two pieces and kept Oliver Bjorkstrand? That would have cleared some space uh, for Daniil Tarasov and allowed what, – what is this? Cleared space for Daniil Tarasov and allowed us to keep uh, Bjorkstrand. Anyway, I know there always needs uh, – I, I know there always needs to be a willing trade partner, but given that we wanted to dump salary and weren't asking for much of anything in return, I feel GMs would have at least answered the phone. Additionally, we would have still been over a barrel, but it would have been a smaller barrel. Mac, here's the thing. That is uh, that popped into my mind. Yeah, as soon as I saw that, I thought the same thing for an instant. But what you just described is the problem. It's a million and a half, and you got to get the five. Now you have to move other pieces, and now you have to find a team or teams that are going to take the other pieces. It becomes a very difficult process. I said this after it happened, and I'll say it again right here. I wish Oliver Bjorkstrand was still a part of this organization. I wish there was another way. But there wasn't another way. This was the best way. This way made the most sense for now and for the future of the Blue Jackets. It's just a fact. The Seattle Kraken were willing to take Oliver Bjorkstrand. You don't have to give a second player. You don't have to give a draft pick. You are in the clear. You're under the cap. You lose a really good player. I get it. I understand. I, I get it. But you, you get it done with one swoop. You're not trying to piece this together and that together, and I, I need three players, and I need this, and, oh, man, a million dollars more, and we can make this happen. This was just cut and dry. Done. Done. Over. And here's what I've been telling people ever since this happened, and I'm going to say it right now. If I would have come to you at this time last year, just before training camp opened, and if I would have said to you, I have a trade proposal. Here's something the Blue Jackets can get done right now if they want to get it done. They can do it right now. Here it is. Oliver Bjorkstrand traded for Johnny Gaudreau and a third and a fourth round pick. If I would have come to you last year at this time and said that, would you have taken the deal? And if you're saying no, I think you're lying. That's what you have to think about when it comes to this. Don't think about how we had to get rid of Oliver Bjorkstrand because we had to get under the cap. I I refuse to think about it that way. I'm thinking about it in this way. I got a 28-goal scorer. I'm going to trade him for a 40-goal scorer and a third and a fourth-round pick because if I think about it that way, it seems like a great deal. And it's really what happened. At the end of the day, it's really what happened. You lost a guy you like. I understand. I get it. I know. I'm with you right there. I'm in lockstep. You lost a guy you like. You lost a guy you wanted to keep. But look at the guy you got. And if you come back to me and you say, yeah, but just think about this, Bob. Johnny Gaudreau, Patrick Line on the top line. And then the second line, you're coming back with Voracek and Bjorkstrand on the way. I know. I get it. I get it. Gus Nyquist would have done it. He that, His cap hit would have done it. Yeah, he's got one year left on his deal. If you want to trade him, now you're going to have to give, out, give away more. You're going to have to pay somebody to take him because that was the market this summer. 
So, again, let's stop thinking about losing Oliver Bjorkstrand as a salary cap uh, casualty. Let's not look at it that way. Let's look at it this way. Johnny Gaudreau in exchange. Oh, wait. Johnny Gaudreau in a third and a fourth round pick in exchange for Oliver Bjorkstrand. I mean, that sounds great, right? Let's just look at it like that because that's what you got at the end. Uh, let me see. Jordan Aronowitz on Twitter. Who are you looking at to have a great showing in Traverse City? I addressed that one. Uh, what's the biggest question mark heading into the tournament that you're hoping gets answered? Mm, I I guess I guess if either of those uh, first round pick defensemen, especially Yurichek, um, I want to see how they perform in that tournament and and hope that it gives some kind of indication of how they might how they might handle the real camp. Okay, that's that's a question. That's my biggest question. Yurichek especially. Because there's options with this guy. You can send him back overseas to play. You can send him to Cleveland to play. Or he can play here. Is he going to be able to play here? Is, does he even have a chance? I, I think in the Traverse City tournament, based on how that goes, I think, I think, not that I spend every year in Traverse City, but I think his performance in that will give us some kind of an indication of what it might be like in the big camp. So I think and I hope that. I think that and I hope that. Alarmingly optimistic Blue Jackets has tweeted me this. Fun hypothetical. 20 years from now, will there be another player's number hanging in the rafters next to Rick Nash's 61? If so, who do you think has the best chance? (laughs) The answer is yes. In 20 years from now, you know how many different guys it could be 20 years from now? I know you know. But um, I I don't know. I don't know. who. It, if Sergei Bobrovsky would have finished his career here, I feel 100% certain that his number would have hung there. But he didn't. He left. Um, well, okay, hypothetically, 20 years from now, Do you think Johnny Gaudreau or Patrick Laine has a chance? I mean, Gaudreau's got the long contract. Laine's a little bit shorter as of now, but maybe. Maybe either of those guys. Um, I, I don't know. 20 years from now, that's a long time. That's a long time. Now, when Rick Nash first came here, I guess if you asked that question, hey, 19, 18, 19 years out, you know, whose number might hang there. Maybe that would have been an, an easier an easier guess. First overall pick and great offensive upside and all that stuff. But um, I don't know. Hypothetically, I don't know. I, I would say as of today, you know, Gaudreau and Line A have a chance. Does Kent Johnson have a chance? Does Kent Johnson all of a sudden have some breakout, like uh, turns into this – player that's even more unimaginable than we could have thought? Maybe. As the saying goes, that's why you play the game, right? That's why you play the game. Figure out what's going to happen. Well, if you're on uh, Twitter spaces, 
right now. And if you would like to uh, ask me your question live, you can do that. All you have to do is uh, request to be a speaker. I can authorize you. You could be on the show. You can ask me whatever it is that's on your mind. And I would like to do that. If you're interested in it, I would like to do that a couple of times before we end this very first CBJ and 30 of a brand-new hockey season for the Blue Jackets. Jordan has requested to speak. So, Jordan, you are on the show. Hello. Good to see you, Bob. How you guys been doing this uh, Labor Day week? Very good. How about you? <clears throat> Can't complain. Been busy lately. Um, my question is, how do you think Ken will do with uh, the Jackets organization as they head to Trevor City in, uh, what, two weeks or next week? This week, Wednesday. Gotcha. I've been, I've been following up a little bit, and I heard, uh, you know, the last couple games, how do you, how do you think Tarasov will do as he gets ready to, as the season progresses? How do you think this team will do? In the regular season, I mean, last year I thought we didn't do actually as bad as we thought. But I mean, every every day it's going to continue to get better and better. Even with Dexy, I'm going to miss him. But if he does make the return in 23-24, do you think that could be a possibility, or do you think that's up in the air for Texie? Well, I I think both. I think it's a possibility, and I also think it's up in the air. So I mean, I I don't know. Everybody thought he was coming back this year. Now he's not. So I, you know, and did did you originally were you asking about Kent Johnson? What I think he'll do in Traverse City? Is that what you asked? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, again, I expect him to have a good tournament. I think he's got he's got a lot more experience in uh, big game situations than a lot of the guys that are going, and uh, and I think uh, I think he should be a standout in that tournament. Uh, I'd be disappointed if he's not, to be honest with you. So we'll find out. Yeah, they go up on Wednesday, and Jordan, the games start on Thursday. Games Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. And um, I'll have those games for you. You can find them at bluejackets.com and on the Blue Jackets YouTube page, all right? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I can't wait. You know, it's going to be it's gonna be a good season. Uh, who would they play first uh, in Trevor City? Uh... Oh, da, 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 da. I know, but I got to look it up here. Uh, St. Louis, I believe St. Louis is first. That's what I heard. You know, I heard a lot of good things about this team. You know, St. Louis played good. St. Louis, Detroit, and um, Toronto makes sense. Okay, you know, even the Finland tournament. How do you or the Finland game? How do you think that's going to play out this year? Even with them not being at Nationwide Arena on November's. Fourth or fifth. I mean, how do you think they'll experience with Finland? Because after all, Patrick Liney is from Finland, so he gets to go back to his uh, country and represents it. You know what I mean? Not just his country, but his hometown is where they're going to be playing. So uh, that'll be a great experience. I, I think it's going to be a, a fun experience for everybody involved. Um, you got to take on the defending Stanley Cup champs, which is going to make it a challenge. There's no doubt about that. But, um, you know, it's a team that uh, the Blue Jackets beat twice last year they want to look at it that way and why shouldn't they look at it that way but I, I think it is uh I think the whole thing's going to be a lot of fun I think it's uh, I think it is going to be a great experience for everyone that is involved so Jordan thank you for your questions today let's go to Paul who's next up on CBJ and 30 hello Paul hey Bobby Mack welcome back thank you hey I saw a little uh clip from your old buddy Tord 
kind of talking about all the work he's got to do in the Flyers locker room. Yeah, you ever heard that before? Reminded me of the, what the uh, you know, it rings a bell. Yeah. <laughs> it rang a bell a little bit. <laughs> I kind of feel like Cam Atkinson might end up their uh, captain by the end of it all. It's funny you say that because, you know, I thought about that. I, I saw where, uh, you know, Torch was asked about a captain. He said he's not, he's not even interested in naming a captain right now. But he's very familiar with Cam, and I know Cam is a newcomer there, and maybe there's some – maybe there's other guys or maybe there's a younger guy that uh, they would want. But, you know, Cam had a letter when he played here, and Cam has a good relationship with Torts. And, and Cam, of all people, knows exactly – what John Tortorella expects and and how he how he wants it to go. So I don't know if that will happen, but I agree with you, Paul. It wouldn't surprise me if it did happen at some time. Not at all. But it made me wonder if uh, before when he comes back to Nationwide Arena, are you going to be able to do any type of interview with him? He's uh, not going to do like you guys had before. I, I don't think he'll do anything with me one on one. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I. One thing I, I can tell you about John Tortorella is it's just like last year when I asked him for one-on-one when he was working with ESPN. I, I know that he wants Brad Larson to be the head coach of this team, and he doesn't. He didn't want to distract from that whatsoever. I, that's He didn't say that to me, but that's who he is. That's what he is. Um, you know, now I'm the enemy, so I could see him yeah. telling me forget it. But I, I wish he would, to be honest, but – uh, don't expect it. Don't expect it. I mean, we'll have he and I will have conversations, and I'm sure they'll be very similar to the ones that you heard, except maybe more colorful. But uh, but I don't know if I'll get a microphone in on that much. Oh, uh, maybe they'll let you in the media room. I'm well, sure, no, uh, no, they'll let us in there. I mean, I could <laughs> I could give him a jab during his news conference and something like that, uh, which I'm sure he would just love to have me do. But there you uh, go. I'm sure I'm sure Porty's going to have some flashbacks that. Second, he's gonna ask, uh, ask, answer a question, or ask a question. <laughs> yeah, I. You know what though? I'm, I'm glad he's back, and and I'm, I'm glad he's in this division. I, I know he's gonna make the Flyers better, but I still think that when it comes to their talent, it's gonna be more. It's gonna take more than John Tortorella to make them relevant. hundred oh, percent. Earlier in the show, I was talking about all the teams in the division. I didn't even talk about Philadelphia because I couldn't even see a reason to. <laughs> They're, they're going to have a rough year, I think. But, I hope. Know, they're in the Bernard sweepstakes. Sweet yeah, well, listen, there's so like, many teams trying to lose enough to get that guy. They're, they're in competition. They, how are they going to be worse than the Arizona Coyotes? That's hard to – that's a – well, you know, harder division, I suppose. You know what? The Flyers, as bad as they'll be, they'll still have more fans than Arizona will have this year. That's a good point. I mean, they're playing in that college rink. I had yep. a conversation with somebody about that last week. I said, how is it? They said, oh, wait till you see this. So, um, which I, I think it'll be great because I'll be, like, right on top of the ice like the old days in the uh, American Hockey League. But Yeah, calling call the game there might be fun. It might bring back uh, some of the crunch memories. I think so. I think so. It'll be uh, – as long as the Blue Jackets win, I don't I don't care where they're playing, how big the place is. doesn't matter. But um, – but yeah, I, I love Torch. I don't think I'll have any one-on-ones with him, and uh, and I do hope his team sucks. <laughs> there you go. I love it. <laughs> Thank Very you, Paul. Good. Appreciate it. You got it. Uh, again, if you're with me on Twitter Spaces, all you have to do request to be a speaker, and I will. Uh, I'll bring you on, and uh, and we will talk. And I there's there's so many people with the Flyers that I actually do like. 
I mean, there are, but, you know, I don't want them to be good. I don't, that, like, I eliminated them from the conversation earlier about even being, you don't even have to talk about them right now. They have to earn it. They have to earn it. Uh, who am I going to now? Razzle Dazzle. I'll tell you what, if your Twitter handle is Razzle Dazzle, I'm expecting a lot, okay? I'm expecting a lot. I'm expecting like Kent Johnson and Kirill Marchenko in the Traverse City Tournament is what I'm expecting from you right now. So what do you got? Okay. I got a little two-parter. All right. Uh, One, what is the realistic expectation that Corpy is here past the trade deadline? Um, And then the second one is what do you think – Realistic pairing-wise with Gaudreau and Line A, who's going to play on what side? Well, I think I think Patrick will move um, when it comes to that. I, I don't know. I, either one, whatever works. I mean, I, I think they'll give Johnny the opportunity to line up on the left side and and see where it goes and maybe you flip him if you don't think that it's working well enough. Um, maybe you do that, but. I think it's going to work. I just, I, I, I think they're both such gifted players. They see the game really well. Uh, I see it working. So I don't, I don't know who's going to wind up on one side, but I think, I just think uh, Johnny will get the opportunity first uh, to stay where he normally stays. And Corpusalo, him being here past the trade deadline. All right, here's what I think, and this is today. This is without playing a single game, not knowing if he's going to bounce back to his all-star form from a couple years ago or not. Um, I think that I, I think it's good that he's here past the, past the all-star break. And if he's not, then, then I hope he's going somewhere because somebody got hurt and he's going to be a a number one guy, not just be a, a third goalie insurance policy for somebody that's going to the playoffs. Um, but I think if these two guys are playing well, and if this team is in the hunt, and both both goaltenders are playing well. I think that uh, that they'll both be here. I don't think there's, you know, a couple of years ago we went through this whole thing where well you got to trade one of them to get the value out of it. Well, this is totally different now. I mean, the guy's making what a million bucks, and he's on a one year deal, and like really, it, it you wouldn't trade him at that and expect to get much if anything at all for him uh, if he's playing lights out. If he's playing lights out and he's playing more than Elvis when the time comes, then and if you're in the hunt, you're not going to want to give him up to somebody else. So I think there's a good chance he's here past the trade deadline. Okay. Does that help? Yeah, definitely. What do you think? Think I'm wrong? Uh, no, I mean, you know, I can see, you know, both of them obviously, you know, have talent. Um, they've both proven it. Um, they both had, you know, bad years. There, there is one um, other, there is one other factor, I guess, that we should put in this. To be honest with you, if Daniil Tarasov plays so well that he is pushing, then that changes the conversation. Because then you're going to want to make room for him, right? Then that could happen. Yeah, I was just, I was just thinking, you know, if one of them, obviously, let's say, you know, Elvis has bounced back and he's, you know, back into his his form um, from his rookie year. Um, you know, you know, one of the, you know, lower teams, you know, getting a starting goalie obviously would be one of their top priorities. And, you know, Corpus is not the youngest guy, but he's also not that old. So he still has, like you said, a lot of the value potentially for one of those teams to sign him to, you know, a six year contract extension and, 
you know, have them, you know, get a, get pushed for, you know, you know, forwards or defensemen or whatever else they need. Um, but, you know, that could also push us for another early first-round pick. Right. If he's playing lights out and Tarasov is playing well, and if you could get some value for Corpusalo, then I think you would make that deal. But if he's playing lights out and that's why you're in a playoff hunt, then – you know, so many factors, so many, but oh, absolutely, you don't I, want to change the chemistry yeah. when when things are going good. Exactly, and and again, I can't, I cannot stress enough, and I, and I know sometimes people, and uh, thanks, I, I appreciate you being on. Um, I know sometimes people don't value this enough, or they maybe they think that I'm overvaluing something that isn't as important. But I'm going to tell you right now, this guy's teammates love him; they love having him around, and they are psyched that he's coming back this year. I did a thing with Gus Nyquist a couple of weeks ago. I did a, uh, a ticketing event with Gus, and I asked him, you know, he brought up that Corpusala was coming back, and I asked him, hey, how do you feel about that? And he couldn't stop talking about how excited he was that Corpusala was back here again. They love him, and there is a lot to be said for that, quite frankly. Um, it, it's good for him, and it's good for the group. And when you when you take out the guys that uh, that people love, that affects the chemistry a lot. So I'm glad he's back. I hope he plays really well. I hope it's a great competition between the two. I really do. Maybe even between the three. I, I hope it's a great competition because if there is good competition at that position, this team is going to be better overall, regardless. All right, back to Twitter spaces. Alex is next up. Here on this first edition of CBJ and Thirty. Hello, Alex. Hey, Bob. How are you? Good. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, two questions for you. First one would be: Do you see Juracek making the team out of camp this year, or is the plan for him to go back overseas? And then, second question would be: Could you shed, shed some light on what improvements were made to the dressing room this summer? Sure, sure. I could do both of those. Um, your check making the team. I right now, I don't see it right now. But all I've seen of this guy was the development camp, and the development camp is not a fair assessment. Traverse City is going to be a better assessment, but still is not going to be NHL camp assessment. So um, I, I would say, I would say no, but I would have said no about Cole Sillinger last year too, and we see what happened with that. But defense is a much different position. Um, Usually it's guys that have a little bit more experience. Again, he doesn't have to go back overseas. He could go to Cleveland, and he could play in the American Hockey League. And I think that, too, will be determined. Like, if he has a really good camp, and if it's determined that, okay, where he is right now is better than where he played last year, but not good enough to be in Columbus, they may make that decision to go ahead and send him to Cleveland and let him and let him play in the American Hockey League and, and be gaining that valuable experience as a North American pro and be ready to come here at a moment's notice. Uh, if he plays really well in camp, I would be surprised if he didn't get the opportunity to play some games in the regular season. You know, you've got those 10 games you can play before that first year of the contract is burned, but you've got to have a good camp. They're not just going to give that to you to uh, – just to say, hey, thanks, you were a first-round pick, so we're just going to do it. you got to earn it. 
But if, and again, this is to me, to me, if they think, okay, uh, he's not, if we send him back over there, he's not going to develop uh, the way we want him to. He's beyond that now. Maybe they'll say that. Maybe they'll say, hey, look, he's, that, he's better than that level that he played last year. He's not quite at the NHL level. So guess what? We have a great middle ground. It's the American Hockey League. It's here in Cleveland. It's two hours away. And we're going to let him go there and get that experience. And I've talked about that time and time again. Uh, you know, my feelings of how important that American Hockey League experience is and how it doesn't happen much anymore. Uh, you know, Sillinger didn't go. Kent Johnson's not going. Uh, it's just the way the game is now. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that everybody is ready to jump right in here. And it doesn't mean that it's a bad thing if you go there. It's a perfect thing if you go there. So um, it could be either place. It could be back over across the pond, or it could be up by the lake. Or it could be right here. Nothing could change when it's all said and done. The dressing room. Here's the funny thing. Funny thing, Alex. I have not been in the main dressing room since it was redone prior to last year. I have not been in there. Since it's been finished, I have not been in there. We have not been allowed in there. The last couple of years, I've seen pictures. I I, the, I think the last time I was in there is when it was, all the old stuff was removed and it was just rubble. I have not been in there since it was redone. However, I have been in the parts that they are renovating this year. And boy, have they done a lot of work down there. Ever since the season ended, between the end of the season and today, the things that they have done in that dressing room are unbelievable. Uh, the changes that they have made from the coaches' offices totally restructured in a different way, in a better way, um, you know, kind of a main conference room with the coaches' offices around the perimeter. You know, before the head coach had an office and the assistant coaches had an office, and there, you know, there was there was kind of an area, but there was separation. Now it's all together. Um, they've completely redone the equipment room there. They've repositioned the washers and dryers. That might seem like not a big thing to you. It's a big thing to me because in the media room where we do our post game press conferences, the uh, the dryer shafts. The, the vents, the vent, is that's what it is, used to run above that room because the washers and dryers were all the way down the hallway by the weight room. And so there was always a hum in that room. Every time you did something in there, there was a hum in there. When you're trying to record things, you don't want to do it with a hum on it. So they've, they've repositioned that. That shouldn't be a problem anymore. The actual media room got smaller where the interviews are going to be done. That got smaller, which is fine because it was it was too big for here. I mean, it was in the playoffs is one thing, but you know, during the regular season, it was uh, oversized. So it, they made that smaller so they could put some more offices down there. That's fine, that's okay. But really, where it gets uh, interesting is back in the weight room itself, where they've made it. They've made it two floors now. I mean, they were they were able to take out the the drop ceiling and they were able to go up. And uh, back in the weight room, there are two levels. And then they took it even further uh, across a hallway in the back, and there's another room where the 
the meal room will be, and then the wives' room is on a second level above that. Um, they did a really good job. And I haven't even seen the finished product. But I was in there a couple of weeks ago and walking around downstairs, and I was I was floored. It, it's completely, completely different, 100% different. And, again, that main dressing room they did last year, that, that thing's been totally sealed off all summer, and I, I still haven't gone in it. But it is uh, – it's quite a sight. And people keep talking about this. In this day and age, that is, that's a thing for the players. The facilities is a draw. You know, I, I'll, I'll just say this. I don't care. I'll just say it. When the whole Johnny Gaudreau thing was going on and people were talking about not going back to Calgary and, you know, well, you know, maybe part of it is because – you're recognized everywhere you go, and you're always bothered by people, and, you know, there's no anonymity and stuff. Yeah, I'm sure some of that stuff was true. I'm, I'm sure a lot of it could have been true. But what about the building? The building in Calgary, I'm sorry. It is not good. It is not nice. It is not up to date. It is not somewhere that you that I would want to spend a lot of time, I'll tell you that. It's just not. It's an old building. What it was built for the Olympics, what the, the 1980 Olympics was it? I remember 1980. Most of you probably don't. It's an old building. They they did some upgrades to it a number of years ago after there were floods and the, the bottom of it, uh, the event level was flooded out. But even at that, you know, there's there's just so much you can do. You can only put so much polish on it. You know what I'm saying? And they're supposed to get a new building. You know, Edmonton got their new building. Calgary was supposed to get their new building. Now there's a political fight about it. And who's going to pay for the infrastructure? And who's going to pay for this? And who's going to pay with that? Now, now it's on hold and the whole nine yards. <laughs> the buildings, the facilities make a difference. They, they play into it. It's not going to be the first thing that you make a decision on, but it's going to be on your list. It's going to be on your list. Johnny Gaudreau is coming into a situation facility-wise that is one million times better than the one he was in. Tell you that right now. And had he gone to Philly or had he gone to Jersey, that would have been nice too. Um, you know, that's why I'm saying it's not first on your list, but it's going to be on your list at some point. And this is going to be nice. This is going to be something that is a selling point. There's no doubt about it. This will be a selling point to people. Um, you know, sometimes you're at the ring for a long time. You know, sometimes you're hanging out. Sometimes you're working out. Sometimes, uh, you know, you just want to have a place that maybe you can just chill a little bit. You know, if you're a family guy, maybe you just want to get uh, chill out a little bit before you go home and get some quiet time to yourself, and that's a place that you can do it, and, and there are going to be plenty of options there in this new room. So um, thanks for asking about that. I can't wait to see the finished product. And I don't know when it's going to be finished. I don't know where it stands right now. I was down there today, but I don't go near that because I know they're going to be – I'm not getting in anybody's way. I'm not getting in anybody's way. I'm not getting in a worker's way. I'm not getting in a coach's way. I'm not getting in an equipment guy's way. I'm not, I'm not getting in their way. That is not a good way to start the year. So I just stay out of there. My time will come. At some point, my time will come, and I'll be able to go in there and see it and, and all that jazz. So until then, 
I will be very patient. And that is not a trait that sits with me well in most cases. But in this case, absolutely. I'll be very patient and just wait for my opportunities. So, Blue Jackets, as I've said here, getting ready to head up to Traverse City. The uh, rookies are going to go to Traverse City and will be playing this week. I I can't believe it's here. I mean, this is something that has been, like, on the – on the docket for weeks, and I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, well, it's coming up. At some point, it's coming up, and now all of a sudden, boom, here we are. It is here, and we're just about to uh, to go at it and get to it. So let me give you uh, let me give you the I'll give you the schedule here. Uh, oh, somebody sent me a message. Any golf plans in Traverse City? No, be too busy, too busy, and didn't check the weather. Of course, I would love to if I can, but I'm not. It's it's not a priority. If it is, I would still deny it. Um, but uh, now I got now I got totally sidetracked. That's what happens when you when you go in get into something that you. I knew that was going to sidetrack me. I knew I was going to be all flustered on that but anyway here we are all right i am uh i'm trying to bring up the schedule just so i can give you the all the information that is relevant and pertinent about traverse city again the blue jackets are going to play three games in traverse city now in the past they've played four and uh, this year there's only five teams there not six so it's only going to be three games in traverse city and the first one of those games is going to be on Thursday, this Thursday. Blue Jackets will take on the St. Louis Blues. That is going to be a 3 o'clock Eastern game. And uh, that'll be the first game. Then on Friday, the host Detroit Red Wings will play against the Blue Jackets. That'll be an interesting one. All of these will be interesting. But when you look at it, you know, you've got St. Louis. Here's a team a couple years ago they win the Stanley Cup. Um, they're trying to get back to that level again. They're a playoff team. They're a good team. Uh, they got some, you know, you're always trying to replenish with young guys. So that's their situation. Then you got the Detroit Red Wings. That'll be a Friday game coming up this Friday, 3 o'clock once again, that game. Uh, the Red Wings went out and they did a lot this year. They did a lot in free agency. They added experience, but they are still growing from within. Steve Eiserman going with that same mindset that he had when he was the GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, so, you know, prospect-wise, they'll be looking to uh, to have a good showing at this tournament. And, again, it's their tournament. They host it. So, you know, you don't want to be embarrassed in your own tournament. Uh, so they're going to be – I think they'll be strong. And then you've got uh, the Sunday game. Saturday's a day off. And then you've got Sunday. The Blue Jackets will play against the Toronto Maple Leafs. That'll be a 2 o'clock game on Sunday to round things out. All of those games, you'll be able to find them in a couple of places. You'll be able to find them at bluejackets.com, and you will also be able to find them on the Blue Jackets YouTube page. Now, the way it works in Traverse City, I want to let you know this so you're not surprised when it happens. The way it works in Traverse City is there's one broadcast setup, and if you've got both teams broadcasting, then you've got to share the setup. Now, I understand that St. Louis and Toronto are not going. So that means that Dylan Tyre and I will have the 
the setup for those two games. But the Red Wings, I told you they're the host. They are doing their game, so uh, we'll have to share with the Red Wings. And, uh, you know, ugh. That just sounds terrible, doesn't it? Share with the Red Wings. That's, <laughs> but anyway, we'll share that broadcast. The bottom line is you'll be able to watch them. You'll be able to watch all three of them. Again, uh, Thursday and Friday, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Sunday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Bluejackets.com, Blue Jackets YouTube page. I'm excited to go. I'm excited to get things going. I'm excited to see the guys that are representing the Blue Jackets in this tournament. As we've talked about throughout the past hour or so, um, the guys that really should jump out, the guys you want to see jump out, the guys you want to learn a lot about, it all starts. It starts this week. Yeah, the big boys show up next week. I get it. I understand. But there are guys here that are going to be big boys. Kent Johnson, Kirill Marchenko, maybe David Yurchik. They're going to be big boys sooner than later. You know, two of them are going to be in the lineup on opening night. I, you know, something would add, there would have to be something unforeseen to me for that not to happen. But it starts this week. It starts now. And I'm glad we're starting it together. Again, starting another season of Blue Jackets hockey, starting another CBJ and 30 Monday mailbag. Thanks for all your tweets, your emails, your questions that you've come on the show and asked today. It has been terrific, and I look forward to doing it with you, um, not just today, but throughout the course of the season, throughout the course of the entire season. And I am planning to do another one of these from Traverse City this week, Thursday, Friday. We'll see how the schedule works out, but uh, I will let you know. You can always find out by following me on Twitter, at Bobby Mac Sports, and I'll let you know exactly what is going on. So that is going to do it for this first Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ in 30 for the upcoming season. Glad to have you here today. Headed to Traverse City. Blue Jackets taking on the Blues, the Red Wings, and the Maple Leafs. Go to BlueJackets.com or the Blue Jackets YouTube page to watch those games. Until then, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.